Hey guys, before I started today's episode, I wanted to pop in and let you know that Behind the Bliss Live tickets are available and selling fast. If you want a fun girls night filled with pop-up shops, snacks, sips, lots of fun music, and photo ops, then Behind the Bliss Live is for you. If you are in Columbia, South Carolina, Greenville, South Carolina, Birmingham, Alabama, or surrounding areas, these locations tickets are available for you now. Imagine your fun girls night mixed with a live podcast recording, mixed with encouragement and affirmation, friendships, and local community vendors all coming together to create a fun in-person night for you. My hope is that you leave Behind the Bliss Live more encouraged, and more joyful than you came. So grab your girlfriends, grab your sisters, grab your roommates. Head over to BehindTheBlissPodcast.com to snag your tickets today, and we will see you there. Welcome to the Behind the Bliss Podcast, where Rachel Autry brings weekly conversations to encourage, inspire, storytell, and share. Each episode is designed for you to feel met in your mess and balanced in your bliss. Here's today's conversation. Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Bliss. This conversation today is a full circle story for me. I think it's pretty cool. In high school, I was given a CD by a musician named Jimmy Needham. Little did I know that a few years later, I would be interviewing his wife, Kelly Needham, about friendship on my podcast. Kind of crazy, right? Well, today I am so thrilled to have Kelly Needham on the show today to talk all things friendship. Kelly wrote a new book called Friendish, and it covers unhealthy versus healthy relationships, the need for friendships and community, and biblical examples of friendships that we can look to. Kelly speaks so much wisdom that we pray it helps you discern your own friendships, which ones are healthy, and what to do when friendships go bad. Kelly also sets attainable goals for our friendships based on scripture, and it's something you're going to want to implement in your life. We talk all about this, but I'm very moved that today friendships are just really hard. You combine social media pressure with lots of life transitions and changes, culture and differences of opinions. Sometimes friendships just can be hard. But Kelly lays down a great foundation for us to understand what actually friendship is, to change our perspective and switch our priorities as far as what we can get out of it and what we can give through them. So without further ado, here is today's conversation with Kelly. Well, hey, Kelly, we're excited to have you on the show. Thanks, Rachel. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah, we um, have had so many cool conversations about friendship in my own friendships in life, and even in just my marriage and a lot of different aspects. And I think that this is a topic that we need to cover that hasn't been covered yet by a guest. Mm. This is a special place for you right now. <laughs> Can't wait to hear what you bring to the table. We are so excited. So if anyone doesn't know who Kelly is, what would you say and how would you introduce yourself? Um, man, I think the most important and biggest thing in my life is I, I just love Jesus. And I know that's really, you know, yeah, 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 of course. Like, but really that, that is like the, <laughs> the gravitational center of my life and my days. So I just want to know more about him and be with him. And so even in my parenting decisions or, you know, marriage decisions, that that's really what's kind of guiding how how and why I do things is wanting to make sure that I'm staying close to the one my soul loves. So, so good. um that's my that's what I feel like is most true to say about you know what is at my core. And in following Christ, he's introduced a lot of different and new seasons in um for me. So, I've been married for now 13 years. We got married when we were very young 
And with a lot of wisdom and counsel from other people, 20 years old, we said I do. And um, my husband has had a music career for a long time, which has given me lots of different roles and responsibilities. We now have three kids, two are biological. Our son is adopted from India. Um, We're in the process of adopting again, actually, from the same country. And so that's something very dear to our hearts. And um, yeah, we're active in our church. So, but all of that is is come out of a place of wanting to follow Christ and submit to His leadership in my life. And so, most days though, it's a pretty normal schedule of responding to emails and doing dishes and laundry Making and lunches. other things you yeah, might yeah. expect <laughs> yeah, from a mom. You know, totally. Hey, here's a really cool thing. Um, so whenever um, your team reached out about having you on the show, they said Kelly Needham, and I was like, surely this is not Jimmy Needham's wife, because <laughs> I went through this really interesting season in high school, and someone gifted me your husband's, a few of his different albums, and we're like, this oh, will cool. get you through it, just like, listen to Jimmy, and I was like, okay, and yeah, it's just funny because I've like grown up listening to Firefly and like all these cool songs. And now, awesome. I mean, just if you had told me then, like one day you'll have a podcast and you'll be interviewing Jimmy's wife, I'd be like, what? This is crazy. <laughs> so the world goes around. This is full circle and really, really cool. Yes. So, yes. I love that. I love his, his music was an encouragement to you then. I mean, I think Firefly was kind of like a love song, I guess is how I it is. it a yes. little bit. Mm-hmm. So it's about you, girl. I'm like, I'm eating the firefly. (laughs) (laughs) Now, though, you are a mom and doing all the things, but you also just added author to your repertoire and your resume. I did. Which which is really exciting. Very surreal. Yes. Did you ever think you were going to write a book or was this more of just like one day you had a message and you thought, I need to put this to pages? (laughs) Definitely the latter. I I did not grow up going, I want to write books. I have a degree in finance, so I like numbers and and things that like have a right or a wrong answer. I never wanted to write essays in school, didn't like writing. Um, I've always loved teaching and communicating, you know, more in like conversation. So writing actually has been a a learned discipline that has kind of been forming over years. And this topic in particular is really, I wrote about it because I saw a need for content about just what does the Bible have to say about friendship in my own life. And I couldn't find a good resource for it. So I started blogging about it. That's that's really how this started. And clearly it was such a need to other people based on the responses I got that that's when yeah. Jimmy and I started having conversations about, well, maybe this is supposed to be something bigger than a blog series. So that's that was the genesis. Yeah. Did you feel like you walked through a season maybe of where there was a time you learned a ton about friendship that kind of inspired the book and where it came from and the message? Yes, definitely. Um, when I was in college, the the latter years of college, and then for probably you know a good three or four years after that, I had a lot of really close friends experience really hard things in friendships with other people. So I was often the friend like, offering counsel or just yes. listening to kind of <laughs> the problems that were going on. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. And and just really asking myself, what what is going on here? And I I really struggle with knowing how to be a good friend and and how to say, you know, what what would be wise in this moment because it, it's not like it was backstabbing cattiness, you know, like we might see in Mean Girls. 
we're talking about friends who are going to church together and doing Bible studies together and really wanting to be good friends to each other. But there are all sorts of unhealthy things coming out of it, like jealousy and um, a really weird version of exclusivity that felt um, like it was pulling this friendship into darkness, not into light, pulling them away from community. And so I really, that was when I was first asking a lot of these questions. But then in my own personal life, I've also had a lot of conflict in friendships that has felt very circumstantial sometimes. I I really feel like the Lord on purpose just gave me circumstances that just produced a lot of miscommunication or just things I had to work through with friends. And I'm generally pretty conflict averse. I want to stay pretty far away from it. But God gave me a lot of opportunities to practice that. And now after writing the book, I'm like, oh, I think you did that, Lord, because you wanted me to know how to speak into this from experience. So I have had, yeah, a lot of different variety of circumstances and friendships and and I still think friendship is extremely important. I wouldn't be who I am without it. And so I want I wanted to offer something that would help people navigate all those ups and downs and kind of weird moments that you're going, where's the rule book in the Bible for this? I don't see yes, it. How yes. do I navigate this? But not throw off friendship altogether and just stay distant from people. That's not the answer either. This is so good. This is so good because, yes, exactly what you're saying is it's not talked about often enough where I feel like I have – what I know should be my boundaries in friendship or mm-hmm. what does time commitment look like in friendships? What's the difference between a healthy and unhealthy friendship? I mean, I even have all these questions left unanswered, which makes me hesitant in my relationships with my friends. And I'm like, how do mm-hmm. I best honor them? But then while also honoring my marriage, I mean, because friendships affect a lot of other relationships in your life than just the one with that one person. Totally. And yeah. so I am so glad we're just diving in. <laughs> I have a few questions for myself personally. I have my own agenda. <laughs> brought to the table. I'm like, I got to see what Kelly has to say about this. One of them is, I feel like everyone's like, oh, you've got friends. Good. I'm so glad. But a lot of times there's not the follow-up question of, is that friendship healthy? Or is that friendship doing you good or causing harm? So how would you feel like you would best describe the process of deciphering a healthy versus an unhealthy friendship? Yeah. I I think first you're already kind of ahead of the curve in having a category for an unhealthy friendship. I think that's the first problem I've seen in a lot of Christian culture is maybe we've been trained to have a lot of hesitancy in um, relationships with the opposite sex. Um, whether yeah. we're married or single, there's kind of a sense of, I need to be careful there and make sure that I have healthy boundaries there and all of that. And I think on what is what that caused is then same-gender friendships became like, a safe zone. Like we're totally immune from any sins over here and we can do whatever we want so long as we're not obviously sinning and it's probably fine. And that's not the case. So I think that's part of why problems form is we are just not even asking questions. We're not even thinking about it. And so now that we're thinking about it and going, okay, there, there is a category for an unhealthy, um, an, an unhealthy nature to a friendship. And what is behind that? I think the simplest way to break it down is to think about the first two commandments or really our our greatest commandments, right? Jesus answers that by saying the greatest commandment is to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. So we see in those two answers that a friendship should never be first in our life. We're called to have Christ first, to love him with all that we are. That's a, a hard task 
that takes a lot of effort to love God with Amen. heart, yeah. soul, mind, and strength. And it can be really easy to sideline God. I mean, we're still going to church and stuff, right? But in our hearts to to not really work hard to make that relationship work and at the same time work really hard to to like soak all we can soak up out of like a best friend or this other friendship or group of friends and and let a friendship become first place in our life. So that's I think the first thing that can be unhealthy is if we let a friendship creep up into number one spot in our hearts of mm-hmm. who we think we need to be okay. Um what, you know, that relationship becomes like our center of gravity, that's unhealthy. And then the others, it would be to see, you know, we see friendships are never to be first, but they're also never to be last. We're called to love others above ourselves. So mm-hmm. in our friendships, we want to fight for other centeredness. And I think that's really subtly, we can get into habits of being really self-centered in friendship but we mask it with a lot of generosity. I'm going to be a good friend to this person because they're like in the inner circle of my church. And then maybe I'll like have an end to this cool crowd or that's group good, yeah. that I want to be in. And I think we all do that. So if, if someone's listening going, that's totally me. I'm feeling really condemned right now. Like I'm a horrible friend. It's like me too. Like we're all there. Yeah. This, this is human nature. Um, but I think those are the, the kind of two primary ways we see friendships um, tend to be unhealthy is they either creep into first place where they take God's spot or we put ourselves above them and we start to just be greedy friends who are trying to soak up friendship for ourselves instead of giving it away generously to others. Um, and then and the last category I just say that I, I have seen pop up is that we can s- start to see friendships that kind of mimic marriages. And that's kind of got a combination of those two first problems in them. But when it becomes exclusive and there's this tight little circle formed around just two friends or even three friends, like this um, ownership kind of feeling in it, that's not not healthy. I think that's maybe a longing for marriage, a belief that marriage can satisfy in some way that it actually can't and and trying to act it out in a, a friendship lane. Um, and I think that's really culturally acceptable right now. And it can be really tempting to form those kind of uh, really exclusive relationships. And I, I don't think that's a healthy expression of friendship as God has designed it to be. Yeah, like it's almost like we're too dependent on that person to provide whatever it is that we want to get out of the relationship, which I I feel like I, yes. I might know this because it's me as <laughs> I'm thinking – like, well, if they're not okay, then I'm not okay because I must have done something mm-hmm. wrong in that friendship. Or, um, mm-hmm. well, I'm not okay, but they're still happy. Like, they must not love me. I want them to be upset with me. But this is mm-hmm. called codependency, and I'm learning it is so unhealthy, and mm-hmm. it carries into more relationships than just friendship. I mean, I yep. mean, I can identify it in our marriage. I can identify it in a lot of other relationships, too. But mm-hmm. I think first being dependent on the Lord and saying the joy of the Lord is my strength and he is my rock and my salvation, like not my friends, not my husband. And I am okay if they're not okay. And they have permission mm-hmm. to be okay if I am not okay. And so I am hearing that and what you're kind of explaining in unhealth. And I'm like, oh, shoot. <laughs> I <didn't laughs> Oh, totally. I think part of why that's so easy for us to get into is because the solution is to look, like you said, look to Christ to be that for us. But we can't see God with our eyes right now. Our relationship with him is a yeah. faith relationship. And it doesn't mean that he's not real and active and present in our lives, but it does require us 
to wait on him and, and to invest time in prayer and in his word without kind of this immediate gratification of a response back from him in the moment. Now, he, the Lord is active in my life in a way that feels real and tangible, but that takes a lot of work. But a friend or a husband or a parent or a child or a coworker or whoever, we can see them. We have flesh and blood in front of us when we call them and, and come with a problem, they can respond. I think that's why it's tempting to look to people to be what only God should be for us, because it seems like that will be a more felt um, experience of togetherness or, or, you know, it will alleviate our loneliness a little quicker. And maybe it will temporarily, but it's not going to in a lasting way, a way that our soul needs. And so we actually end up with more needs than we started sometimes and more bound up in, in problems. But I think that's why we're tempted to become dependent on people is we can see them. And we can touch them. And, and we think that seems a lot more fulfilling than a relationship with God. Yeah. Oh, gosh. That's so true. So true. So, okay. Follow-up mm-hmm. question to this unhealth. Um, because I have been there. I feel like I am there. Let's say that you have someone in your life that might be unhealthy that you've identified as an unhealthy friendship. Um, and I feel like there's either one of two in this category. We're going sub-sub category now. But <laughs> the kind of friendship that's unhealthy that you say, oh, man, I, I love them. Our relationship is unhealthy. I think that it can turn to health and it's time to address some of these issues. And then there's a second category of friendships where you're thinking like this person, I don't think ever had the permission to be a part of this inner circle in my life. So what would you say to maybe mm-hmm. someone who finds himself in the second second set of friendship where I don't know, they're just being convicted about the present or the person being so present in their life that they're thinking, how do I like backtrack or I hate to use this, mm-hmm. but I mean, just for the lack of filter, like uninvite them into this inner circle that sh- they should have never been in in the first place because of the unhealth they're introducing or maybe just mm-hmm. like whatever they're, they're causing. Cause that can be tricky. Cause you're like, right. well, at the same time, we're supposed to love people and I want them to be a part of my life and, and I want to lead them to health, but like, where's the cutoff? Yeah. I think that's a really great question and an important one. I think there is a category for, um, ending a friendship. It, um, and I don't know if that's necessarily what you're asking, but I, I think there's a spectrum of um, when we're we're seeing unhealthy tendencies in our friendships, there are multiple avenues we may see to get back to health. And that's probably the most frequent question over the years that I get emails about is somebody essentially saying, can you tell me what to do here? And over and over again, I've often said, no, I, I can't. And here's <laughs> I the reason why that. I can't tell you that is because every one of our life circumstances has so many factors in it that are unique to us that it takes a wise counselor, maybe an actual Mm -hmm. biblical counselor, or just our pastor or our small group leader or someone who knows us, who can speak into that. Because I've gotten emails from people who their, their friendship is super unhealthy. And in most cases, I would say, man, you're called to first love God. Like that's our first priority. Love him with all that you are, right? We we run to him and we throw off every hindrance. And if a friend has our primary loyalty, then we owe it to the Lord to go, mm-hmm. I have to put him back in first place no matter what the cost right now. And that doesn't mean you have a total disregard for a friend. You need to have a conversation with them that's loving and say, I need to seek the Lord in this season and maybe take a break, right? That, that could be what the response is. But for, you know, some of the people have emailed me, this is a friend who's their cousin. 
they're they're family members with each other, right? Or Complicated. They, yeah, they live together. They've signed leases together. Sometimes it's people who are business partners together. Um, sometimes there's just other factors going on that that I think would add a level of we need to really seek what is best and wisest in this situation. And so there's it's really hard. There's no real rule book here, and. If if someone is in that desperate place of like I need to change things now, that would be my absolute first thing that you need to do is go find somebody who's not your friend, who's someone hopefully older than you, who has more wisdom than you, and mm-hmm. but who also knows you, and talk to them and say, hey, this is where I'm at. This is what's yeah. going on. Can you please walk with me in this season and help guide me because I'm kind of confused. Um, but within that, there are a few principles that I think we can remember um, in making these decisions. And the first one is that we are individuals. And I think these friendships can often feel like we're a couple or we're a group and we have to make decisions together. But ultimately, we will have to all answer to to God for our own decisions. And so I often remind people, you are an individual before the Lord. And imagine yourself standing before him right now. Like what decisions does that make you want to make about this friendship? And make them as an individual. You don't need your friend's permission to do something. Um, You need to be kind to them, but you don't need to ask their approval to make these these moments happen. And to rightly define, secondly, to rightly define what friendship is is. Friendship is being for one another and for what is the ultimate best of one another, which is nearness to God. That that really is what we were made for. As, as human beings, we are made to be in relationship with God. So if a friendship is taking both people away from God, then the truest expression of being friends to one another might be, we need to not be friends close up right now because we keep drawing Mm -hmm. each other away from Christ. We need to be friends from afar for a season. I need to let you go. You need to let me go. I need to run separate from you for a while. Get rid of this unhealthy dependency that's been there. And I'm going to run to Jesus and I'm going to pray for you while I think of you. And I'm going to pray that you run to Jesus. And that might be the the truest form of friendship you guys have ever had, even though you're not experiencing it together. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, so this is good. those are a couple of a couple things that can add some wisdom in that decision making. Are you kidding me? Really yes, hard. that is exactly <laughs> what I was asking. Thank you <laughs> so much. Yes, so let's go maybe in the more fun direction. Let's chat about healthy awesome. relationships, healthy <laughs> friendships, um, which I think is really cool because, like you said earlier, it's it's hard to find a book or a place in scripture where friendship is just laid out in front of you, like a good, mm-hmm. solid rule book for what friendship should and should not be. But I think that there are some several like really great friendships in the Bible that we can almost look to as a, oh, wow, that was a mm-hmm. beautiful friendship. Um, do you have a favorite or do you have some that you refer to in your book? I do. Um, you know, it's it's hard to not gravitate toward Jonathan and David. Um, mm-hmm. I think most people think of them when they think of good friends. And I think sadly, their story has often been used to promote unhealthy friendships, which is why I I actually wrote an entire appendix about them in my book to try and clarify what's really going on in their friendship. But what you see is two men who in in a time in Israel's history, not many have like an urgency to see God's kingdom come. There's, There's been disobedience, there's fear, there's lack of trust in God. And and Jonathan sees in David the same thing that's in himself, which is a, a faith in the bigness of God and his ability to save. 
and that unites them. I think that's really the core of, of their friendship is, oh, you too? You you see how amazing God is and how much he is worthy to be trusted? Awesome. Yeah, that's good. But what you see in their friendship is not necessarily a clinging to one another as much as ascending each other out in obedience. And they are grieved. So there's emotions in it too. And I think that's appropriate. Healthy friendships mm-hmm. shouldn't be um, like stoic, you know, like my, my closest friends that have been like comrades next to me fighting for my faith and for theirs and, and for the kingdom of God to come in our own lives and circles. When those friends move or when, um, you know, I have to say goodbye to them for a season, there's emotion in that. And I think that's appropriate and healthy. And you see that with David when he leaves. But what doesn't happen is Jonathan doesn't say, David, I'm going with you. We're going to be friends forever and always be around each other because that's our primary goal. What they see as the primary goal is you need to be obedient to the Lord, and that means you need to leave. And it means I need to stay. I need to stay with my dad. You know, Jonathan's dad was still presently king over Israel, and he's like, I need to stay here. And David, you need to go. And in that leaving, there's a lot of grief. So I think they're a really beautiful um, example of friendship. But you see it also in Timothy and Paul. You see um, Naomi and Ruth kind of have that kind of friendship, even though they're related through marriage, their in-laws. And um, you see a lot of these kind of friendship things working out in Acts where, you know, the 12 apostles and the disciples that are walking with Christ are now on their own and they're praying together and they're breaking bread together, but they're also sending each other out on mission. Like you, they're not just huddling up. Yeah. Commissioning. So I think that's what we should see in our own friendships as believers is we should be endeared to one another, be praying together and like spending time in each other's homes, but also not huddling up and going, let's never be separated ever again. No, this is, you know, we have a mission in this life and we get to commission one another and send each other off and grieve that loss, but know that it's only for this life. Yeah, that's good. So good, good transition. That was exactly my next question is how does knowing eternity and knowing the hope we have in Jesus to spend mm-hmm. our lives with him forever kind of change that friendship and and change what friendship could look like here on earth? And I think it has everything to do with keeping us open-handed with our friends. At least for me, it does because it's hard to say goodbye. And I think our technology now is creating an environment where we don't ever have to say goodbye to anybody. Yeah, yeah. And what I see that producing in myself and other people is a lot of anxiety to try and keep up with like 30, 40 close friends. And we can't do that. We're not capable. Right. We're limited. And it produces a lot of fear of offending each other or we just don't know how to navigate change well with the technology, I think. And so what eternity does for me when I think about that is when I move or my friend moves or even when seasons of life change, I've had friends who haven't moved but have just changed churches and I just know that that's going to change the dynamic. I'm not going to see you every Sunday mm-hmm. or you might have, my friend might have twins. Okay, I know for a season, I'm just, you're not going to have time. And so in those changes, I think, okay, we have eternity forever together. I can, the day is coming when I can sit across the table with you and have coffee, and we're going to talk everything I missed in your life because I couldn't be there. I'm going to get to hear it all, and I'm going to have all the time in the world. And even the moments that we still are like, what, what was really going on there? We get to call Jesus over in that moment and be like, what? Jesus, sit with us. Tell us what was going on. And the the foreverness and the togetherness of our friendships are already secured for us, but they're they're fulfilled for us in eternity, in the new heavens and new earth. 
um, with the Lord. They're not now. Now we have, um, you know, the eternity thought should also produce this reminder. Now we're on mission because not every one of our friends, hopefully, is a believer. I, I hope that we have friendships with our neighbors and our coworkers yeah, and right. family members who don't know him. We should be cultivating that. And thoughts of mm-hmm. eternity should produce a different desire in those friendships to go, I want to invite you into the joy that I have because eternity is real. And the the fact that we'll have to stand before before God and answer for our sins, either saying, yes, that this is true of me and I have nothing else to say, or yes, it's true of me and I, Christ is my sufficiency and, and we have found mm-hmm. salvation in him, we're all going to face that. And those thoughts of eternity actually help us remember what really matters in those friendships and make us look for opportunities to share the hope that we have and invite them into that, that joy. So I think getting our eyes back on, you know, setting our eyes on things that are above, not on earthly things, like Colossians says, and that, that really frees and liberates me in friendship to be about the right things and also to let my friends go and, and, and know I don't have to soak up all of it right now because we we have eternity purchased for us together. And I, I look forward to that. I have several really um, specific friendships that we just changed life seasons early on, maybe a decade or so ago. And I see them from afar, maybe on my Instagram feed or through Christmas cards. And there's kind of a sorrow there, a little tinge of, man, I wish we were closer. I wish I knew what was going on more. And I comfort myself with that thought. No, I, I am going to know. I am going to get caught up with you. It's just so not time yet. Yeah. Um, it really frees me. The freedom that it gives your relationships with those who also love Christ, but then also the like loving urgency it gives in your mm-hmm. relationship with those who don't is yeah. so beautiful. Yeah. I love how you're talking about Instagram and just technology and how it's really, really, really hard to mm-hmm. keep up in friendships while also having this as a distraction of like, oh man, maybe I don't know them as well as I thought I did. Or, right. <laughs> and I hate that they like posted this information before just telling me one-on-one or, mm-hmm. you know, maybe I, maybe I do the same to another friend or whatever. And man, Let's talk about it. Let's talk about <laughs> Instagram. And man, I love it. Anyone that knows me is like, oh, that girl loves some Instagram. But here's the thing <laughs> is it can get really tricky in relationships mm-hmm. and specifically friendships because I, I think it it makes me either believe something about my friendships that might be true or untrue. Like, oh, wow, we're, we're not um, as connected as I thought. And that friend is like, yes, we are. Yes, we are. Like, you are mm-hmm. okay that you didn't know that or you didn't see that or whatever. So how can we almost use truth to combat maybe these lies and like deception that can creep into our healthy relationships or our healthy friendships and make them, and I don't know, just kind of distort them because of the active technology, specifically social media? Yeah. I think it, um, social media, it's good for us to remember that it's it's not evil, right? <laughs> I, we can tend to demonize it for for the very yeah. reasons we're talking about, right? To go, yeah. oh, this is dumb and we should get rid of it. No, it's it's it can be used for evil, but it's not. It's actually a means that we can use um, to promote the gospel. And a lot of us are doing that. And it's a way to keep up with friends. And that's great. But I think it has the potential to be for friendships what I think romantic comedies can be for marriages. And this is what I mean by that. Uh, watching a chick flick is really fun because it's like, 
someone has created the perfect scenario for you. It's never going to happen most of the time. For those who are married, your life is not like a rom-com. Your husband's like coming home (laughs) and like dancing with you in the middle of the kitchen. Maybe sometimes that happens, right? And we soak it up and it's great. Yeah. He can't read our mind though and he doesn't know. (laughs) And so sometimes romantic comedies give us this unhealthy expectation of romantic relationships that, that they really can't fulfill. And I think Instagram can do the same for our friendships. Whether we're seeing other people's friendships, it might not even be our friend. Like we can see posts of people doing stuff with their friends and going, oh, that's what friendship can be. And that's what my friendship should be. And immediately we become dissatisfied with what our friendships are. Or like you said, we see posts from from friends of ours and we're left to kind of fill in the gaps of maybe what their motivation was or or what was going on. And, And we're really good at that. We're really good at filling in the the missing pieces with our own imagination. And that's not okay. Um, you know, I think Philippians has this, this verse in Philippians says, think on what is true and not think on what it might be true. And that kind of is a, a mantra I need for social media sometimes in my own friendships. Um, when you see a post or you see a thing and you think, man, did they forget to tell me? Did they not tell me on purpose? Am I not as close to this person as I thought, why wasn't I invited? Um, we can fill in the gap and think about all the things that might be true about that, but it, that is not fruitful. If it does produce some tension in our hearts toward a friend, I think the right response is to go to that friend in person or on the phone and say, hey, I, I saw this post that you made and it made me feel this way. And am I reading into this? What was really going on? And that might give an opportunity for that friendship to grow in its depth of trustworthiness between you know each other. The friends I've had those moments with, we kind of come to these understandings of um, as we talk about that. Hey, let's just agree that if some if you have an issue with me, you're going to let me know, and vice versa. And we're not going to play the guessing game anymore. And so if I see something on your feed that you know I I wonder about that maybe you're yeah. upset with me, I'm not going to go there because you've told me you're going to let me know yeah, that. That's good. So it kind of, there's a lot of nuance in, in navigating that, but um, we have to, if our friend is a real friend, at the end of the day, we have to trust them that they're going to be honest with us. And we need to be honest with them if we have our feelings hurt or something is going on there. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that I'm learning in my relationships recently is remaining unoffendable and choosing mm-hmm. to believe that what they did, they never would have meant to do had they known how it made me feel mm-hmm. and knowing like, oh, Thomas, my husband, he would never have said that if he knew this is how I interpreted it because he is, I mean, he does not aim to hurt me, you know, or um, maybe I could tell him Mm -hmm. like, this is how it made me feel. And I don't want you to apologize because there was truly nothing wrong with the way you said it or what you posted or Mm -hmm. whatever. It's just, um, I was in an unhealthy place and perceived it unhealthily and I, I'm choosing to believe that you love me more than that and whatever. And mm-hmm. I, I think it's totally dismissed a lot of that insecurity that can be found in relationships. So yeah, I, I am second. Mm-hmm. I'm just seconding you. Yes, absolutely. hundred <laughs> percent. What, what about in these relationships um, that you find a lot of transition in? You kind of spoke to it earlier, but I'm curious to dive a little bit deeper into that. But um, let's say, and I only ask is because a lot of our listeners are in transition seasons. So they mm. are either um, post-grad or 
just entering college or maybe they're newlyweds or new moms or empty nesters. Like I feel like that's kind of a pattern we've seen is everyone's in this weird, awkward, like not quite sure what I'm supposed to be doing right now. See, I mean, isn't Mm -hmm. all of us though? So specifically for me too, we're about to enter the season of transition. And I think one of my greatest fears inside of it is, but my friends, like the conveniency or consistency and like all of this is about to change dramatically. So Mm-hmm. What do you have to say to speak to those who maybe are um, having friends go through transitions or they're going through a transition yeah. themselves? I think that's the you're touching on what is probably the most challenging aspect of friendship and one that um, culturally there's kind of a lot of debate on right now is should our friendships um, have to weather all those transitions? Um, you know, we you mentioned earlier the whole you know, where in the Bible is there kind of like this blueprint for friendship. And honestly, we don't find that. And we find a ton of truth in the Bible that speaks to our friendships, informs them, and gives us wisdom for navigating them. So it's not that the Bible is silent, but it's not going to do what it does for our familial relationships with our parents or with our spouses or even with our church family. Those we see some really clear guardrails, right? Like wives, submit to your husbands and Children, right. obey your parents and honor your parents. And we kind mm-hmm. of are given these these railroad tracks to go on in those relationships. And when I have when I combed through the scriptures on this topic for reading for this book, not once do you see that kind of imperative directed toward a specific friendship. And so I think even the Bible's silence on that is, is informing us that they're not meant to be pinned down in that way. And that means we're forced into an open-handedness in friendship that, again, that's what's really hard for us to navigate. And so as we go through transitions, one of the truths that, that I think is emerging in that is not that we don't need friends, but rather that we need friends, but we, we don't necessarily need specific friends. It's not good for us to be alone. It's not A marriage is not enough community for us. So even those who are married... Yeah. You need friendships. You need the community yeah, of believers around you. But I don't need like these four specific friends who've been here, you know, in this last season. And I think that that's kind of what we're looking for, right? It's like, where are my people? Where's my squad? Let's like make a pact right now that forever that's not going to change. And that feels so much safer to us. Um, but the reality is that is going to change because we're all individuals having to obey the Lord in, in different ways ways that he calls us into obedience. And so our friendships are going to shift throughout our life. And that's not something wrong or broken. And I think it's good to kind of redefine how, you know, we think about that. It's hard and there's grief in it. Um, And so how do we weather that? Well, I think one of the things that's making that easier or should make it easier is when we're a part of a local church, that's where you see, um, there should be a healthy sense of committedness to one another corporately in a church that if you're a member of your local church and all your four best friends move away, that church should still be for you. Like people you can count on that you should be able to go Mm -hmm. to people in that congregation and and grieve with them. Go these four friends who've been in my life for like a decade moved away and I'm sad and they should go, I understand that. Like, let me know what you need and Mm -hmm. that you have, pastors that you can rely on to, you know, make sure your needs are met. You know, that's part of what their role is. And so, you know, church membership, I think, allows us to live out kind of what we really want in that, which is who's going to be there for me. 
that's what the church is meant to be for. We're there for one another. But those are that's a corporate obligation. It's not individual. I can't look at one specific person in my church and say, you have to be here for me in this season. They, I can't mm-hmm. demand that of them. But I can look at my church as a whole and say, right. you guys have to be there for me. And they have an obligation to be there for me as, as I do for them. And that takes a community to really pull that off well. Um, so I think, um, man, church membership is huge. And, and then that's where also going back to man, when Christ is your best friend, when he is, that relationship is yes. for you the foundation, then you don't have to cling so tightly to those friends because your stability isn't coming from them. It's coming from Jesus. And it, mm-hmm. it allows you to weather those changes without um, with grief, but without being totally undone by it. And I think that's the difference maker. We should have grief still, but we shouldn't be totally undone by our friends leaving or shifting or changing. Um, and we also shouldn't write off friendship altogether. You know, we should still continue to go, I need friends in my life. And that may look different every season for me. And that's okay. So let's say someone says, Kelly is a genius. Kelly is an expert on friendship. Where can I get her book? Where would you tell them they can find it? <laughs> um, well, I think it, it should be available at almost anywhere you can buy books. Um, I know it's on Amazon. And also, I think you can order it at Barnes & Noble, ChristianBook.com, wherever you normally buy reading material or your audiobooks, you should be able to find it there. Perfect. Yeah, yeah. We'll link it all in our show notes so people can go and snag themselves a copy. I just feel like it's exactly what I've been looking for that has not existed. So kudos. You've done it, my friend. You've done it. <laughs> so exciting. Oh, the Lord you. The Lord has done it. That is for sure. I felt right. really weak and needy through the whole process. And yeah. Wow. So good. So another fun question just to end the show. This is how we love um, kind of getting an idea of who you are and what you're up to besides doing all the things as mama and author, but what are a few things that you are loving these days, things that you're listening to or reading or eating that you think the people need to know about? Hmm. Oh man, what am I reading, eating, or thinking about that people need to know about? Was that what you said, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. eating or reading or listening to or something that you think like, oh, I've got to share about this. It's the best. Like we've had people share about vacuum cleaners and we've had people share about like (laughs) really good, like biblical resources. So really, truly, there's no wrong answer. Mm, I love that. Okay. Well, this is maybe a really odd answer, but I would say, (laughs) uh, let me find a different way to say that. Say it. Yeah. (laughs) This is maybe a really odd answer. Maybe not what you're expecting, but I would say what is helping me and what I'm loving right now are puzzles, <laughs> jigsaw okay, puzzles. That's awesome. Um, yeah. My life is is full right now with, you know, this book coming out and also being a mom and, and the things that keeping up a home requires. And rest is really hard for me. I don't rest very well. I don't do nothing well. Uh, me neither. And I think mm-hmm. we all need those little breaks in the day and then like one day a week. And so one of the ways that that is actually that helps encourage me to do nothing is to do a puzzle. So I will lay it out on my dining table and my kids will help me. It gives me something to do that doesn't matter at all. (laughs) At the end of the day, I'm going to pack it back in that box. Like I'm not accomplishing anything, but I'm just not like my husband can just nap or lay there, do nothing. And that, I don't know, that doesn't, it's not refreshing. I need to be doing something with my hands. And so um, I just, a friend just gave me a new thousand piece um, jigsaw puzzle and, Thousand Next. pieces. Oh yeah, that's my favorite. It's a thousand. 
Oh and that's next on my, li- on my list to do. So <laughs> That is amazing. We do like 500-piece like puzzles at the beach. Do we bring them just in case it rains? Like that's kind of our pastime. Oh, yeah. But I forget puzzles are a thing. Yeah. You know, like in everyday life, I need to remember they are truly entertainment. I need that, to go get myself a puzzle. Entertainment, it's a break. You know, long days sometimes. I will set a timer for 10 minutes in the middle of my busiest days and go sit at the puzzle and work on the puzzle for 10 minutes and listen to worship music or a podcast. Yeah. And it just it allows me to remember the world doesn't depend on me. I can just sit here and do this and nothing's going to fall apart. Jesus, I can right. trust you and rest right now. And then I can go back into my day. And it's such a grace to me. So That is so funny. Would you ever have imagined yourself sharing on a podcast when you were young that one, you read a book <laughs> and two, you love puzzles? You know what I mean? Like, no. <laughs> things have changed. Definitely not. <laughs> so funny. Well, Kelly, I am so thankful for everything that you shared today. All of the wisdom you brought to the table. I mean, I'm leaving away with notes. I just have been taking notes the whole time on my phone. So I am just so excited to be able to steward this information well um, and for people to get to know you. Where can people find you online? You can go to Instagram (laughs) since we talked about that. I am on Instagram (laughs) and Facebook and um, you can follow me there just by looking for Kelly Needham. And my hope is always just to serve anyone who's following me. because it's, it's hard being on social media. All our insecurities come out. So I'm always thinking that. How can Amen. I, how can I yeah. serve somebody if they're going to follow me and point them back to Christ? So, so yeah, good. you can find me there. Or I do have a website with um, some writing on it and, and other things there just at kellyneedham.com. So you can go there as well. Amazing. Well, thank you, friend. I'm so excited for all of this goodness to get to people's ears. You are a treasure. Thank you, Rachel. It's been a joy to be here. Like I said earlier, friendships can just be pretty tough. I'm so grateful for this conversation because it opened my own eyes to some friendship issues that I might need to resolve, but also things I can celebrate that are going super well in my life with my friends. I hope you feel like this social pressure of friendships has just been kind of taken off of you. If you want to access some things we talked about today, like Kelly's book or Kelly's husband, Jimmy's music, then head over to our show notes at BehindTheBlissPodcast.com. If you were thinking of maybe someone who needed to listen to this episode the whole time, I have those moments too, then I would encourage you to share it with him. It might be the encouragement you don't know that they need. Maybe that step of obedience might lead your friend in some freedom. So go ahead and share that episode with them specifically. But then again, if you are loving our episodes and our podcast in general, we would love if you shared this with your friends online, your family, just a conversation around a dinner table. Word of mouth is our favorite way to share behind the bliss. If you're listening and you have not yet left a review, this is our ask of encouragement. We would love for you to go and leave a review on iTunes, giving us an idea of what you're liking about the show. Reviews on iTunes are super simple, but more than that, they're the most helpful. Not only are they for us, but they're for other people that might be searching for a new podcast to listen to. Wouldn't you want them to join our community? Your review ranks our podcast higher in iTunes, which then gives there more opportunity for more people to see our podcast, listen, and hear this encouragement that they are too met in their mess and balanced in their bliss. I hope you go and love your friends well today, taking what you learned from today's episode and walking it out practically and a little bit more met in your mess. We'll see you next time.